This show is brought to you by Female Alliance Media, by women, for women. Hey there, I'm Mary Angelica and host of Honestly Becoming, your new favorite five-minute podcast for driven entrepreneurs. Be ready for mic drops and breakthroughs that will help you embody your most authentic, successful, and honest self. I know you're busy, which is why I get right to the point. I condense years of coaching, courses, and certifications and give you the golden nuggets, five minutes at a time. Get ready to become the best version of yourself. Hello, and welcome to the Say It Out Loud podcast. I am your host, Christine Daynard, and the goal of this podcast is to encourage you to live your best and most authentic life by digging deeper and finding connection through vulnerability. I believe we have been taught that vulnerability is a weakness when in fact it is our superpower. In this space, I will share personal stories and conversations with others so you can be empowered by their strength and inspired to take action in your own life. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get started. Well, hello and welcome back to the Say It Out Loud podcast with me, Christine D. I have a really special guest for you today. And in fact, I'm really excited to introduce you to Peter because we actually have a really funny introductory story, but we're going to come back to that later. To start, I'm going to ask Peter, or dude, I should say, to introduce himself to us and he can tell you a little bit about what he's about and why he's here today. That's a hard question. I never know how to answer. Like people are like, what do you do? Uh, mm, what part of my life do you want to know about? Um, I just recently saw the, the, the term potentialite and I love labels. Uh, and, and it was like, oh yeah, multi-potentialite. You, you have multiple potentials. Um, so like I do a lot of different things. Um, but my name is born Peter Aitchison. Um, recently I've started to identify as just some dude. That's S-U-M-D-U-Umlaut-D, because I, 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 it's kind of like my clown name or my spiritual name. And uh, I look at like Ram Das, and I thought, well, if I had to change my name, what would it be? And I just thought, well, I'm just some dude. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to live that way as just some dude. I don't want to take my past with me, and I don't want to mm. try and make the future happen. I just want to listen and answer truthfully. In the uh, in, in theater school, we used to say, listen and answer truthfully in the, the given imaginary circumstances. But now it's it's to listen and answer truthfully in um, the given perspective of my present moment. Mm. I really love that. And, you know, what's interesting is I actually often when we ask people, you know, what do you do? I, I often find it's kind of the least interesting thing about us. There's so much more depth to us as human beings. There's so much more going on that I find we sometimes get trapped in that sort of surface mm -hmm. level conversation, right? So I'm really glad that you went where you did, you know, talk to, and I'm also a multi-passionate person and do many different things. So it can be really hard to put that into a nutshell and answer that question for those yeah. of us that don't really operate that way. <laughs> like if you want the, like the professional real world thing, it's like like, oh, well, most recently I've been building Shopify websites, you know. Um, if you want the more exciting thing, well, I live in a trailer in the woods and I'm a psychedelic guide. So <laughs> that's another thing. Um, and and some people's eyes glaze over that part and they're like, this guy's a weirdo. But other people are like, tell me more about the forest, right? Yes, yes. Well, and I love the weirdos because I'm also a weirdo. Yes. And so I'm really interested and curious to learn a little bit more about your journey because I've you've shared a little bit with me. Mm -hmm. I've read a little bit about you online. Um, and I really, before we kind of get into our conversation, I want to preface this to our listeners to keep an open mind during our conversation. I often ask that in favor of the guest no matter what. Yes. But certainly today we're going to talk about some things that are not mainstream. <laughs> we're going to talk about some things that might make people feel uncomfortable. Yes. And, you know, I, I look at it like if we're not a little uncomfortable, we're not learning and we're not growing. Mm -hmm. So this is why I ask people to keep a bit of an open mind while we have this conversation and to just, you never know where it might take you. It might just trigger a little something in you. You might put it to sleep and never pick it up again. Mm -hmm. um, but to consider there's not only one way 
to do right. any one thing. So I'm really excited to, 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 to dive into this. Um, but before, first, very first, yes. um, I want to tell people how we met because sure. I think it is pretty hysterical. And we talked about it when you got here. Yes. So this is pretty funny. So I met Peter, it's probably now going on about six years ago, five, six years ago, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Yep. And it was when I was running the Buzz Tour company. I'm pretty sure it was my first year of business. I was driving the Honda Odyssey. Yep. It was deckled out. And I'm at the car wash. And I'm like vacuuming out my car and this guy, some dude, <laughs> comes walking out to me in the car wash area and says, hey, uh, so I've got an idea for you. <laughs> Can you come and get into my backseat of my car for a minute? <laughs> Which I just think is hysterical. And when I told this story recently to someone, they were like, you did what? And I was like, well, but, but, but hold on a second. He's not like a creepy weirdo. I could tell, got good instincts. Mm-hmm. But there was something about him and what he was showing me that was <laughs> had nothing to do with where your minds are probably going right now, right? Um, but it was to check out he was creating. Well, actually, you could probably describe it better at the yeah. time. I don't know if you're still doing this, but tell them what you tell sure. them what you did. Yeah. So from my perspective, I, I'd seen this van driving around, <laughs> and um, I I was an Uber driver, and at the same time I was auditioning for voiceover work, and I was having no success in in voiceover. Um, but people were telling me, you're the best Uber driver I've ever had. Um, and they kept on saying, how could I pick you as my driver? And I thought, well, that's what you need. You need a, a, like an Uber-like app where you can pick your driver. And it, it took me down the path of, if I could get picked, well, then I would want to try and get better than the others, so I would get picked more often. What would I do if I was trying to be the best Uber driver? And I'll fast forward to when we met, I developed an entertainment platform in the backseat of the car. Um, And it was hooked up to 300 individually addressable LED lights that were programmed with different moods. So you would pick like the groovy mood and all of a sudden you get groovy lighting and groovy music. Or you would pick the, uh, the sativa or the indica because a lot of people are taking ubers because they can't drive and it would put on like a psychedelic kind of playlist with psychedelic lights and then i had the game show which was by far the most fun and uh it's a musical trivia game where it was called who did it first and i would play a cover song of a popular song done in a different style of music and you would have to guess who did the original version so i had christine the car wash, I was getting my, I would wash my car like three days a week, right? Because I'm always having people in it. And I thought outside of Uber, I could do like day trips to wine country and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, but she's already doing that. I don't want to compete. I want to to collaborate. And that's what we talked about that day was, is we were both like, no, let's build up each other. Let's, so I thought I could put this system in your car and we could do, you know, wine trivia and have the lights and the karaoke and the music. And, and I went home that day. And I went to my wife and I said, I think I just like, I, I just made a sale or something. There's something's going to happen here. I was so excited. There was this connection. And ever since then, uh, uh, I, I was thinking about it recently. I've just been trying to find ways to collaborate with you. Mm. And here we are. Mm-hmm. Here we are. And what's so cool is like, unfortunately, it didn't work out because it might yeah. have been on the first or second year I was doing the buzz. And then the pandemic happened and it was like, everything yeah. was so hard. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. It just didn't, it just fell off the, off the rails. But What's cool is that we've been able to keep in contact one way mm-hmm. or another, kind of following each other along. And yeah. when you reached out to say, hey, like, I'd love to talk to you about some of the things that I'm doing and a little bit about my story, I was very intrigued. Yes. And so, and so here you are. So, so where do we even start? Um, depression. Okay. Yeah, that's a great one because a lot of people are in a boat of that right now. Yeah. So um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, when I was 18... Um, I went off to school. I went to, to broadcasting school at Fanshawe College. Um, and um, I I had this kind of uh, mantra of there's a time and place for everything, and it's college. So I did everything. And I tried mushrooms, magic mushrooms, for the first time. And it changed something in me. I absolutely loved it. But it also opened up bipolar disorder. Hmm. Um, and this is something about psychedelics is if you are prone to schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, it can bring it about in you. Interesting. And um, so I started having these massive bouts of depression um, and uh, was attributing it to the wrong things. There was a girl in my life and it was like, if only, you know, she loved me back, 
then all my problems would be. But it wasn't. It was it was the depression that I was attaching to things in the identity of Peter. Mm. Um, and there were many, many, many years of living through these depressive episodes and then hypomanic episodes. Um, the hypomania is a whole different thing. Um, my first marriage can be attributed to a bout of, of hypomania. Mm. Um, and we don't need to get into that. But <laughs> it, it was it was after that. Um, so from 18 to 28... I'm just living with this and not really knowing it. Hmm. Um, and then I get my diagnosis and things start to make sense. Hmm. Uh, and I went the traditional route of uh, lithium. But my, my psychiatrist said, you know, we'll put you on lithium. If you respond well, you're probably bipolar. And my response at the time was, I don't want to be bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, anyways, the lithium gave me new perspective. Uh, impulse control. I didn't have it. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, I don't have to listen to that voice in my head mm. saying, buy this, do that, pass that car, you know. And uh, I went through that for a while until the depression came back. And I was kind of just a shell of myself. Um, and I decided, you know what? The, the, the cure is worse than, than the, the cause at this point. Mm. And there was all this talk about magic mushrooms um, alleviating depression symptoms. So I had used them excessively recreationally in, in my youth. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable with trying this again. And uh, at a party, uh, a friend had some. And I didn't have to wait to get depressed. But I'd been off my medication completely, feeling like myself again. Um, I had a strong partner who would watch me and, and say things like, you're starting to spin up a little bit right now. Let's, mm. let's just be mindful of the fact that you're starting to get excited, right? Um, depression's not the hardest thing because you just end up doing nothing uh, it's the hypomania you got to watch for um but this this party and this little dose of mushrooms um started relieving anxiety mm. um i was having anxiety when i was doing my voiceover auditions and uh, it was just gone and my mood was kind of just level for about two three weeks and i thought okay there's something to this it's illegal I think maybe I should stop here and say, I do not endorse <laughs> anyone doing anything illegal. Am I covered? You're covered. Okay, because I'm technically a criminal. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh, who's listening? No. <laughs> so so I, I, I just, I started experimenting with microdoses, macrodoses, tripping with people, tripping alone. The solo trip is so difficult to get to. Um, but I, I found this healing place. There was one moment I'm lying on my living room floor, staring at the ceiling and, and the hallucinations coming and, and I'm following that hallucination and I'm in a sense of awe. And there's, there's no way to predict what comes next in a hallucination. Mm -hmm. And there's no real precursor to it. It comes from nowhere. And I had this <gasps> where everything makes sense. It's the truth of the universe. And I started to try and conceptualize it. And I went, stop. The work is done. It's not about putting into words. It's about the change in you and how you're going to live tomorrow. Mm. And then I just went back to listening. Not with my ears, but with my everything. And I started to learn how to listen. And all of a sudden, I could meditate after this experience. And it took a long time after that, but I developed this process that takes me back to that point. And if I go back to that place and just resist the urge to kind of tell a story about it, just live there and listen in it, well, I can hold on to that for quite some time. So for me, when I was just doing this in order to manage my own mental health, it would be every three or four months, I would go and, and take an afternoon. I mean, the effects are about six to seven hours uh, of the really psychoactive effects. And my wife would go and, and, you know, go to the cottage or visit somebody. And I would just spend this time by myself and, and reset, recharge. Um, and then I started to realize, I think I can bring someone with me. And I had a, a friend um, who was going to be working with me in the car. <laughs> I had set up his car to be the second car in Waterloo to be driving around with the lights. And I was pick Peter. He was going to be pick Nick. <laughs> Love it. 
and and he was on board and ready and um uh asking about these mushrooms he said can you get me some and, and i was like i don't feel comfortable giving something this powerful to just anybody but i said i'll do them with you so we went and and just did a for fun one um and it had a profound change to him and i realized that when i'm in the listening part i'm i'm listening for two um and i can kind of help suggest or guide someone to this this healing place so once i did it once then i was like okay i can start maybe talking about this with friends and family so now friends and family started coming to do this with me and uh there was a lot of insecurity a lot of should i be there's a lot of what is my role you know nobody taught me how to do this i learned it on my own um and uh, again i like to fast forward <laughs> to now um every 6 weeks um i have a new person not always new there's there's repeats obviously but um i have somebody come every 6 weeks and we go through this kind of ceremony together um and um it's so wonderful to be able to witness and help guide people to this place of healing because you'll go from being uh the uh, uh, the four agreements have you read it mm -hmm. yeah i want to be impeccable with my words mm. so i will try and speak not to what the experience does but what i've witnessed happen so my last guest um was someone who i know personally very well their their family um, and they've been dodging a bipolar di diagnosis for decades. Mm. They'd gotten it a couple times from their doctors and they've been like, well, thanks for your opinion, but I'm not going to consider it. And they finally came to the point where their life was out of place. They just couldn't turn away from it anymore. Um, and they came to me and uh, uh, we went through this process together. Um, uh, they had um, a longer in, in years experience with psychedelics than me and have done doses as high or higher um, than we do. Uh, and um, it was a complete unique and life-changing experience for them, which speaks to me to the intention, the set, the setting, the prep work, um, you know, looking at it as mental health rather than mm -hmm. getting high. I don't like that language either. Um, but they were on employee assistance because of their mental health. And had to go see a psychiatrist the week after um, uh, our experience together. And they uh, um, had never met with this psychiatrist before. And they looked at the notes that all the other ones had prepared and said, I can't endorse what you did. I've never done it, so I can't speak to it personally. It's illegal, so professionally I can't. All the kind of mm -hmm. safeguards. Mm -hmm. But then she said, I'm looking at your chart and I'm looking at you and they don't match. Hmm. the man I'm speaking to today is not the same person that is on this piece of paper that says you are afflicted by this, that, and the other. So I'm not going to make claims like... Yeah. Well, but I think... So I understand that clearly you have to be careful and everyone's experience is going to be different. And, you know, we're talking about something, again, as I mentioned at the very beginning, like microdosing or using using drugs in a way to heal yourself is not something... That is mainstream. This mm -hmm. is not something that is accepted in our society. Um, I mean, marijuana just got legalized more recently, right? And yeah. that still is uh, taboo for some. It totally is, right? So, um, because I think that it's our perception of, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, society, how we're raised, the the things that we're told and taught about all these things that are bad for us. But you know, maybe we just haven't had our minds or hearts opened up to mm -hmm. what's possible. Yeah, and you know, I mean, quite frankly, I don't want to completely poo-poo the, the industry of people that make man-made drugs, but that's a really big money-making machine. Yes. And so no really big money-making machine wants to compete with something like this. You can't patent mushrooms. Right. So um, I just, I think I, I'm saying some of those things that just kind of feels right to say that because... Yeah. 
you know, I know that there are going to be people listening to this that are going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, this is so not okay. Mm -hmm. You know, why, Christine, why are you even interviewing this guy? You know, and and the first thing I want to say is like, I have no judgment. You know, I, I think that we naturally as humans, because we've been raised in the society the way that we have, our minds are closed to certain things. And we think this is what we believe. So we close out any other possibility. But the more and more that I start to look at different ways that are outside the box, outside of the mainstream, outside of that, you know, big pharmaceutical industry, Mm -hmm. there are so many other ways to heal ourselves. And I love how you brought in, in fact, I'll tell our listeners when Peter and I first sat down, um, he asked if I was a meditator and I'm a more recent meditator. That's something that's come to me more recently. And I said, yes. And he's like, do you mind if we sit and have a couple minute meditation before we start today? Which I thought was such a beautiful because it's allowing us to calm our mind. Mm-hmm. It's allowing us to lean into our heart and just have a real and honest conversation because none of this is scripted. We're just having a conversation right yeah. now. Right. Yeah. Um, so what can we, how can we, like, I want to go back for a second because you've, you've uncovered a lot about, you know, where you've sort of come in your journey. And, you know, I'm sure some of the minds are a little curious before that experience in college, Mm -hmm. when all of a sudden you realized, or someone realized there were tendencies in you that Mm -hmm. looked a lot like maybe bipolar or something like it, Mm -hmm. um, had none of those things come into your peripheral before or anybody else's or were they sort of hidden? Like how does that – maybe paint a bit of a picture for people. Like how does that work? I'm the youngest of five kids. Huh. Mm. I mean that's pretty much it, right? Mm. I uh, I had to uh, be loud and rambunctious and I was raised by four siblings, you know? <laughs> And you pick up little pieces of all of them and you find what works to get attention. And, and so, you know, the, the hypomanic stuff was always, oh, well, Peter's always been, you know, rambunctious. Um, uh, there's, uh, there's one event in my life um, that, you know, my mom, after my diagnosis, will, will be like, do you regret doing that? Um, and, and for me, I look back and I'm like, okay, that's probably a hypomanic expression um it's i quit my job um by writing i quit on my butt and running around the office in a (laughs) loincloth um they told me they don't do character references i mean i'm laughing maybe it's not funny for you anymore but i (laughs) the video's got over 100 hits on uh hundred thousand hits on youtube this was pre-youtube but uh it's um it was a wonderful moment for me um (laughs) We go back to like like I I alluded to my first marriage. Mm. That was not a wonderful time. That that was me. Um, I had gone to a different doctor, and um, it was just when I was able to recognize depression in myself because you don't know you're depressed until you're not depressed, mm. or at least that's the way it was for me. I could only see it in retrospect, mm-hmm. and um, I had stumbled onto antidepressants trying to quit smoking. So I was using smoking cessation drugs that are also antidepressants and i asked my doctor i said i felt really good after i took this thing to quit smoking and i think it's because i was depressed so he gave me a different antidepressant which launched me into a hypomanic episode that lasted to an engagement and what i thought was love was just what was happening in in my mind and my body and and the the environment, the circumstances, and everything brought me to this place of just like, let's go. Yeah. And I just recently moved, and I'm meeting all these new people, and they're looking at me like, who's this guy? He's fun. <laughs> um, and I, I did at that time, I remember I said, I had one person come up to me and go, are you bipolar? I was like, no. He's like, because you remind me a lot of a friend of mine who would do things like climb to the top of a telephone pole just to do it. Just and then, because, yeah. Yeah. And it was it was interesting. Um, yeah, it was a few years after that that I got my official diagnosis. But huh, interesting. I also have a friend who's bipolar, and I didn't know I didn't know her very well mm-hmm. until she told me, and and then kind of points out when things are happening, right? Because yeah. she's aware when they're happening. Yeah. But you know, like maybe like you, um, I know that she's tried different forms of drug that sometimes she feels balanced other times she's falling off the rails so like what you've been finding with you know testing out the psychedelics is based on how much and how often you're doing it and when you're microdosing i mean i'm sure there's different elements involved in that i actually don't microdose oh so you just sorry maybe i misunderstood so you one day that afternoon six or seven hours you spend alone 
you go all out with the high dose. So what what we do? Um, so I have a guest coming uh, this week. Okay. So, so when I say coming, um, I have a retreat now. It's a off grid, secret location retreat that uh, I call Tulip Town. Um, and uh, so I have a guest coming to Tulip Town this weekend. Um, I will pick them up because I they don't know how to get there. Um, I'm the guide, so I will take them out on Friday and we'll get comfortable in the space. So we're going to uh, just. You know, some people come with intentions like I'd like to quit smoking or quit drinking or, or you know, I've got this thing that I want to face or there's something there and I don't know what it is. Hmm. But we'll just get comfortable. We sit around the fire and, you know, eat a nice meal. Um, and uh, Saturday morning, we get up and we do my morning routine. So my morning routine is um, anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes of Zazen meditation. So um, uh, sitting in... in uh, lotus half lotus uh eyes opened meditation then we do wim hof breathing technique mm -hmm. so i do the breath work then we do cold exposure or as cold as the lake is um this time of year it's it's just bath water but um <laughs> and then i'm going to distract them with an activity so i've bonsai a tree i've chopped wood i've just gone for a little hike but we just want to be um moving and, or producing or making but not thinking about what's coming Mm. Um, then we make the tea and this is, uh, about an hour long process, um, where, uh, I explain all of the ingredients, um, everything that goes in it and why, and they get to watch and they get to help and break down. So we start with, um, the tea will include five grams of mushrooms, uh, for you and I, so 10 grams in the tea, which is what Terrence McKenna would call the heroic dose. <laughs> um, and we... We add to that lime juice, which the pH starts to process the psilocybin into psilocin, which usually happens in the stomach. Hmm. So we're processing this before we ingest it. And the psilocin is what's psychoactive in the mind. So when you drink the tea, you have about 12 minutes before the rocket ship takes off. <laughs> and, and from that point, it's, it's just absolute stillness. And quiet and um, I'm waiting for the right moment holding space and then I'm going to at some point say okay now it's time to eat more and uh, the way I like to put it is just when you think only an insane person would put more of this into their body <laughs> okay we're gonna eat about two more grams so now you've got seven grams of psychoactive mushrooms in you and then I have to get there um, you can only get there if you're still silent and the mind is quiet. Um, and everything's happening. Hallucinations are happening. The mind's going all different places. There's a voice in your head and it's slowly not you. And you ask, who is it? Um, and, and, you know, I get little notes and, and words and phrases and mantras from previous trips that help me again. But where you're going is absolute presence. So you can't bring it with you. You can't remember it. If you're trying to get to where you got last time, you're only getting in your own way. Mm. You just have to fully surrender. So I don't mean to stop. Well, I, yeah. I do need to stop you for a second because um, so essentially, because what ends up happening and, and if anyone's listening and doesn't maybe hasn't maybe gone there or doesn't mm -hmm. meditate yet or doesn't understand really how silence or mm -hmm. you know getting out of your head really benefits you i mean there's so much research out there's so much research i don't know why i couldn't say that sentence out there that confirms that meditation and calming the mind quieting the mind is such an incredible tool all the things that you mentioned mm -hmm. right like the mm -hmm. meditation yeah. the 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 breathing technique um the you know cold plunging like all yeah. of these things are proven and scientifically proven that they work well for helping us to balance our lives because we're quiet the mind and we're initiating different elements of the body that are coming alive and it's allowing mm -hmm. us to feel more instead of think more is yeah. that that's sort of my you know kindergarten sort of it's, understanding it's a feeling right yeah because in the world we have gotten so conditioned to think and overthink and it's my observation you know, I can say for in myself, when I have anxiety, it's because I'm thinking about something and yes. I'm anticipating the outcome yeah. and I don't know what it's going to look like. And so now I'm afraid. And so that is creating this anxiety within me. Mm -hmm. And now I don't want to go and do that thing. Or now I don't want to, uh, like now it's, now it's something I'm really afraid of. 
-hmm. when my mind has just created that because it simply doesn't understand yes and doesn't know what the outcome of that is going to be and so my understanding of what you're doing um and what those that talk about even well actually it is i would guess you call it macro dosing mm -hmm. yes. is <clears throat> that you're getting the mind to a point where it can't come in to the picture to some degree right so you're almost for a lack of better description not forced but you're <laughs> you're sort of forced to feel instead of think Yes. So anything that you're um, holding back, not expressing, not allowing those feelings to come out into the world, whether it's through therapy or with people mm -hmm. or for yourself, those things often don't come out, certainly not in the depth that they need to for you to move past them. Am I kind of barking up the right tree here? Like, Yes. A lot, a lot of what you're, you're saying touches on, on things that I could agree with. Mm. Um, the, we like to say when we get to this place. So again, there is a moment of like, there's a climb to get there and then you're there. If you think you're there, you're not. Mm -hmm. But when you're there, you can't even ask the question, am I there? Because you just know. And, and it's not that you know you're there. It's you know everything. And the thing is, is that you can't know enough words. You can't read enough books. You can't have any language that encompasses everything. So you must stop thinking in words before you can have the knowingness of all. Um, and the, the term gets used is ego death, right? Mm. So what you find out is Christine doesn't exist. She mm -hmm. only exists in relationship. So you only exist in the relationship to others. But when we get to this peak experience, we realize there is no other. Mm. There's one of us. And... The separation is the illusion. Hmm. And now you're talking really deeply. So there's going to be people that are going to be like, whoa, 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 what? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just mention, so a few podcast episodes ago, maybe a, maybe a couple months ago now, mm -hmm. I shared an episode with Jules Hare, who does cranial sacral work. Mm -hmm. And I worked with her for six months yes. um, as she calls herself an intuitive coach, among other things. Yes, I listened to this one. Yes, and um, was so incredibly powerful, the work that I did with her. And I will admit that at the beginning, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted help. I knew that I was already an intuitive, connected person to begin with. Yep. But because of all the things that had happened and the world was falling apart and I had gotten into my head, I got a little off track and I knew I needed someone to help me bring – and that wasn't going to come from conventional mm -hmm. workings, right, or, or modalities, let's say. Sure. It's going to come from somebody alternative. And so when I first started doing that, I, I remember telling Jules in that first session, I was as soon as we were done, I was like, okay, I don't know what the fuck that was but like i i kept trying to control it with my head yes and i could feel for that whole first session i just kept controlling it and in my head i'm like this is stupid i can't believe i'm doing this how did i talk myself into this what did i pay for this like mm -hmm. i was just so in my head about it and then after i told her that and we got into the next session i was just like christine you just need to surrender to yes. this yes because here's the thing peter i know you know this but for anybody who's listening this is for you, it's for all of us, is that we don't know what we don't know. That's exactly it. And what we have been doing for a really long time isn't working. Yeah. We are sitting in a place right now where there are more people in a mental health crisis than have ever been in their entire, in the entire world. There's mm -hmm. never been such a high percentage of cases of people in a mental health crisis. And it is a huge problem. For yes. us as people. Yeah. And all of the ways that we have been approaching, which is why I started this conversation by saying, hey, have an open mind. You mm -hmm. may not be somebody who wants to go, I don't know, I imagine get in a tent with Peter and like do his seven grams or whatever it I, is. I'm <laughs> renovating a trailer. So <laughs> you, you can stay in the trailer if you want. You can camp if you want your own space. But, right. But yeah. I'm just thinking like I've heard of like I've heard Will Smith talk about like ayahuasca. Yes. And I've heard like different people talk about different ways that they've been able to essentially release the demons from inside. Right. So. If go I, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. The, where we go, we call the truth. Yeah. You can't get to the truth until you get rid of the lies you've been telling yourself. Mm, amen. And you have to face every single one, mm. or you can blow right past it. But it, I mean, seven grams of mushrooms going to blow you right past <laughs> a lot of things. Um, but it, that's what we uh, have to go through to get there is all the lies that you've been telling yourself are true. 
And um, it for someone who has had the bipolar mind, and and now I haven't, I I, I don't think a doctor could diagnose my behaviors today as anything but just a well-adjusted member of society. Right? Huh. Bit of an anarchist, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you you get to see oh. All of these behaviors, the things that I did or like starting a business is like the the cliche bipolar thing, right? Mm. And I do it all the time. Um, <laughs> but the, the thing is, is that there's one simple little lie that you've said is an absolute truth. And by the time you get 17 steps away from it, you forgot that part of it. And you can build your entire life off of a lie your parents told you when you were six years old. And you've been carrying that with you the whole time, not knowing that one little thing, you know, 17 steps later, 17,000 steps later, everything's predicated on that. And so when we get past all the lies and we get to the truth and then we learn to listen, you're not doing anything. And you get this freedom of, I don't exist to do things. I get to. And I can just do nothing and existing here is enough. Yeah, like my my worth is not attached to anything no. other than simply existing. One one of my guests was having a, 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 well, she always has a hard time. I have a guest that comes back about once a year and it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's a horror story. Like the, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The, the climb for some is hell mm. worth it well i imagine that you know it's almost like we get conditioned and then i talk about this with the women that i work with mm -hmm. is like we don't ask ourselves why we don't ask ourselves hey wait a second why do i believe that thing yeah where did that come from yeah. why do i believe in that and to take all the things start asking the question and take all those things that you have believed and and have become a part of you or what you believe is a part of you and what you believe about yourself mm -hmm. and start questioning those things. And it's like weed in a garden. I mean, what you're doing is like, <laughs> I don't even know how else to term that other than it's like a fast forward version of weeding the garden in a sense, would ten, you say? Ten years of therapy in a day is how people say. Right. Yeah. Like, because if we're not... If we're not going back, and like you said, if we're not being well, – actually, let's not say go back. If we're not moving forward mm -hmm. and being honest with where we've come from and acknowledging what's been going on with us, yeah. like it doesn't mean the people that raised us or the people in society ha are bad people. No, guess what? They all just learned the same thing. Yeah. And so it's like everybody's piggybacking on everybody else, and guess what? Everybody wants to be the same. So we just kind of keep it quiet, and no one really asks the questions. And this, I, I love, because everything that you're talking about, I haven't done what you're talking about, mm -hmm. um, but I know people that would really benefit from it. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, if we open our hearts and minds to what's possible outside of what the traditional norms have taught us, mm -hmm. you know, and how to heal ourselves, because that's not what we're learning. We're learning Band-Aid solutions. We're not learning how to actually heal ourselves. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so what you're doing is you're... You're, you're healing yourself from the inside. Heal yourself first, then you can heal others. Right? It's like, I remember the term, you know, hurt people hurt people. Yes. But also healed people help to heal people. Yeah. And I think that we're in a time and the place in the world where, wow, do we ever need so much healing, mm -hmm. right? To come back from where we are today, <laughs> we need a lot of healing. Yeah. And so I'm really glad that you're doing this work. And um, I... <laughs> I think I'm, I have so many questions, but at the same time, I actually feel, I, what do I want to say? Maybe, maybe you have something to say. I mean, one thing that we haven't talked about that I think for, for you listener, <laughs> the one who's, the one who's in the car right now and they're like, Oh, <laughs> I don't want to go down this road, but I'm being called down this road. Um, I used to drink. Every single day of my life. Mm. Um, and uh, I used to smoke. And I used to, I used to, I used to. Um, when I started going down this path, um, it's been about six years where I've been intentional about it. And uh, the drinking stopped on its own. Mm. The smoking 
I had a guest coming and, and they wanted to quit. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it with you. Cause I know, I mean, I can, every six weeks I can quit again if I want. And I just stayed off of it. And the, the morning ritual, um, that just happened one day and every single day since I've, I've, a handful of times I haven't done it. And, and these are the things that you, feelings are, I, I will say, I'll contradict myself so many times, but your feelings don't matter. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But they are what guide you, yes. right? Love. If you follow love everywhere you go, you're going to find yourself in these situations where you just go, how did I end up here? This is better than anything I would have ever tried to get for myself. But we're an instrument that needs to be tuned up. Mm. When you're out of tune, you don't know how to read your feelings. But if you tune yourself up every day, then you're going to be able to just listen and answer truthfully to, you know, the, the world you're in, this little kind of world that follows you around. Mm. Um, and it's if you go and you, you do a bunch of psychedelics with some dude in a trailer out in a secret location... <laughs> and and like you're gonna get a story that's for sure yeah but if you don't start to learn the lesson of listening every day and detaching from your identity every day then all you're going to be left with is a story mm. and we go to remember the thing you can't remember which is that presence can only be felt it can't be remembered mm. so the the mushrooms knock you over the head with it and then Every day after that, you need to sit and do nothing and know that, well, I'm fulfilling my purpose even now. You know, I am is a mantra I come back to often. Just I am. Maybe I am listening. Mm. But to just sit and be is, is all you need to, to be. Mm -hmm. Well, because we get so caught up. You know, it's like we get so caught up in what we should be doing and what mm -hmm. are they doing? Oh, I should be doing Don't that. Don't shit or, on yourself. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it, but it's so easy because this is the world that we live in. Yeah. But it's interesting because Jules is really, I mean, I've had so many people through the course of the last probably good 10 years of my life saying, Christine, you should really meditate. It really be helpful mm -hmm. for you. And I'm like, what? I can't meditate. I can't sit still. I talk about this all the time with people. I'm like, I encourage you to start it because yes, at first it feels awkward. Because you've never done it before yeah. and you don't know how to silence your mind because you've never done that before either, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So sure, it feels awkward and weird and it takes a little bit to get into. And there are so many different ways to meditate. You don't have to pick one form that this particular you exactly. know, guru has said that you have yeah. to do. Yeah. You can do it in any way that you want to do or try 15 different kinds of meditation or forms or ways yeah. to go about it and find something that just works for you to help you quiet yourself because, you know, it's like I talk a lot about how we go through our days and everything attaches to us. Yes. Right. It's like all these things like you're talking about how we're, you know, conditioned from the time that really we're really young and we believe these mm -hmm. things about ourselves. And then every day, all this stuff that we're running into in the world is attaching itself to us. And if we don't find a way to shake it off, we're carrying it every day. So Absolutely. every day gets heavier and heavier yeah. and heavier. No wonder people are walking around feeling like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Right. I I I'm a pretty zen dude these days, but when I'm driving, I just get so frustrated. And I was with my wife, and and she's like, "Would you just calm down?" She hates it when I get all excited in the car. And and I said something like, "Oh, I hate when they do that." And then I stopped and I said, "No, no, 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 no. You hate selfishness. Mm. Don't put it on them. Mm. You hate selfishness." And that's okay to hate selfishness, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, you are not your feelings. We have all this stuff floating in the ether that you grab onto and you go, oh, okay, I'm going to attach to that. It's like, no, it's there. Be aware of it, but don't make it you. Mm -hmm. and, and, and like you say, the, the awareness going over the past and the trauma and all of that, there's nothing you have to do about it. You just need to be aware of it. And that awareness brings the change, right? We want 
our healing to happen in a thought, in a sentence, in a paragraph that we can then go to our friends and say, this is how my brain healed. I think differently now. How you think doesn't matter. It's your behavior. Mm. Well, so I studied the Meisner technique at theater school way back when. And, and it's, it uses primarily this repetition exercise where we, we just say the same words back and forth until we get to the truth of the moment. And I'm really paraphrasing here. But it's all about behavior. And this teaches you how to behave honestly back and forth with a person. So we use one word over and over because the word doesn't matter. And if you're training to be an actor, the playwright takes care of the words. And if you're an actor who's trying to connect your behavior to the, the words, it's going to be disconnected between the two people on stage. But when it's just listening and answering to the behavior, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we like... And we can feel this right now between you totally, and I, right? Totally, 100%. Yeah. Yeah? Then it doesn't matter what I'm saying. I'm saying it the right way. Yeah. Well, and we're not sitting here going, oh, whoa, whoa, but do you really mean? Yes. Okay. You said believe earlier. <laughs> I don't believe in anything. Okay. There's no need to. Yeah. The only time you need to believe in something is when you can't point to it. Mm. And a newborn baby knows the exact same thing that you and I know. And that's how I can say when we get to this place, you know everything is because it's all right there in front of you. Mm. This, this guest that has the trouble all the time, I said to her last time, who taught you what an apple smells like? Because she kept on saying, I don't get it. It's not making sense. Mm. And she was trying to have someone else teach her. Right. Well, because that's how our brain like literally has to comp compartmentalize things mm -hmm. and understand them. So give this a definition. Like I even remember working with Jules and, you know, we would finish a sentence and she's like, she would, or a, a, a session and she would ask me to speak about if I could. She's like, I know that it doesn't really happen very often, but I, and I'd be like, oh, like I had no words to express what I had experienced because, well, A, I'd never experienced anything like it before. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't something I could put my finger on. It was a feeling. Yeah. It was a sensation. It was something I knew I wanted to feel more of, right? Could, could you paint it? Maybe, yeah, with yeah. like bright colors right. and, yeah, absolutely. Because nobody told you the right way to... Right. Right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, could you dance it? Probably. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 It's so, it's so um, you know, as like I'm having these conversations and as I go through my development and I now I'm hearing more of your story, I just think there's such beauty in opening our hearts and minds to different concepts and ideas yeah. and trying different things. And maybe not everything fits. Maybe some people will be like, oh, you know what? Uh, this Peter guy might be onto something and I really want to try that because I've been facing my childhood trauma forever and I no psychologist or whoever has been yeah. able to help me. You know, maybe this is something that I can try. Um, or there's others that are like, well, that's definitely not for me. But there'll be something in this conversation for everyone. If they're willing to listen all the way through, yeah. right? Because there's something in everything. And I find like, you know, sometimes it can take several times for us to hear something or like it. Yeah. Like I have one woman in my, in my six week cohort that I work with and she said, you know what, Christine, it's not that you're the first person to have suggested this thing. It's that when you said it in that moment and how you said it, it struck me and it struck me differently than it ever struck me before. That doesn't make me magical. It means that the right words came through me in the right moment for her yeah. and she was open to hearing them. Yeah. Right. Because we can't hear what we don't want to hear. We can't experience what we don't want to experience. Um, and our minds tend to close us off from so much. So I'm so glad that you're here sharing, you know, the openness. I have the same experience that you have often where people say, oh, Peter, you said this thing. And what I've learned is um, it's never when I'm trying to say something profound. Right. Um, when Peter starts talking, it's just <laughs> Peter talking, right? Yeah. I made a hand gesture. <laughs> she saw it. You didn't. But you probably know what it is. Um, and, and the thing is, is that it's the truth in me that communicates to the truth in you. That's right. So it's just when I make that offhanded, again, that listening and answering to mm -hmm. just reflex and, and respond and let it just bounce your thing off. It's the truth going back and forth yep. that I get to say the thing that clicks in you. Right. 
But if I'm trying to be that guy, I'm going to get in the way. That's right. So like you're, you're talking about maybe you're listening and maybe this is the thing for you. There's only so many people that will be able to come and, and work with me in my lifetime. Yep. And the ones who will, will find me. Yep. And the ones who won't, will find somebody else or they'll find some other modality or, you know. Um, but uh, we're really just witnessing this life until you start introducing conflict into it. Yeah. And every bit of conflict that you encounter you welcome. Mm. That's so very profound and true. Peter, I feel like we could sit here and talk for days. I can come back. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. And I feel like um, as much as maybe a lot of people won't agree with what we're talking about mm -hmm. here, I feel like this will probably be one of the most listened to episodes that okay. uh, is, on, <laughs> is on the, I just feel it. I'm putting it out there. All I right. believe the universe is going to support it. Um, and, you know, I just am so grateful that you reached out. I'm grateful that we're still connected mm -hmm. and that we've been able to have a conversation like this. Do you want to come visit Tulip Town? Oh, I want to check it out. Okay. I want to learn more about it. All right. Okay. And I certainly know a lot of people that would benefit yeah. from it. Again, I think it's, it, it is, it's that our heads get in the way mm -hmm. and um you know some of those maybe that won't be the thing for those people because they just can't wrap their head around this concept yep. right yep. like and not like we said before not everything is for everyone this is this is a non-mainstream conversation mm -hmm. we're talking about something that not a whole lot of people are talking about and but now that it's out there well we'll let the universe do what it wants yep. with it It'll it's in your hands <laughs> It'll strike you wherever it should strike you. So thank you so much, Peter. Thank you. This is fun. This is so fun. And uh, to our listeners, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, um, that's amazing and beautiful because you're opening your heart to something maybe you don't agree. Maybe you don't want to take it all in, but you stuck around and you listened to the message. And something in there is for you or maybe for someone that you know. So Either way, I'm just glad that you joined us today. It was great to have you here and wonderful to have Peter in to chat with me. And we'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'd like to invite you to hit the follow button on this podcast so you'll be notified when the next one drops. And if you liked this episode, please leave a review as it will help others to find this message. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at It's Me, Christine D. Or if you'd like to connect about being a guest on the show, ask me about group or one-on-one -on -one joy and mindset coaching, learn more about the Joy Project community, or consider hiring me for your next speaking engagement, please visit itsmechristined.ca. Thank you again, and I'll see you next time.